get, get off point. The, the point is, uh, so we have this chapel service. So I decided, you know what I'm going to do? If these are important to the Holy Ghost to write these things down, we're just going to go through and we're going to talk about every single miracle Jesus did, why he did it, what it was supposed to do, what it communicated. And I think I've actually taught my way through seven, uh, 17 or 18 of these 37 miracles that we've talked about so far. But each one, interestingly enough, each miracle has a mini message in it. Every miracle he did demonstrates a facet of his divinity. It shows an aspect of who he actually is. Every miracle is a message in itself. Just like every feast of the Lord. I mean, Jesus died at Passover. He was buried at unleavened bread. He was raised from the dead at first fruits. He's in the Holy Ghost on the Feast of Pentecost. Every feast of the Lord is a declaration of the mission of the Messiah. Every offering that was ever offered from the Passover lamb to the bull offering of Yom Kippur to the turtle doves to uh, the goat, all the other offerings that were offered, all Jesus truly, those all declare the purpose of what he was doing. Everything is about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And every miracle that is done declares the mission of the Messiah and a unique aspect of who he was. Now, we just read the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you could not contain all the miracles of Jesus if you wrote them down in every book you could find in the ancient world. But the Holy Spirit only chooses to give us 37 of those. And John says, oh, he did lots of miracles that are not written down, but we've written down certain ones so that you may what? Believe. So the ones that we have written down are significant to the point of causing us to say, he is the Messiah. Each one of them has a message contained in it. Now, if, when you think about that, if there's only 37 out of the entire life of Jesus, so those 37 contained in the 17, 18 days, out of all the miracles he did, what was the, the one that the Holy Spirit decided to to lift out and show us as the very first miracle that he did. Turning water into wine. Now, now think about this for a minute. <laughs> You're going to, you, you got, you've got so many miracles that the books of the world cannot contain them, and you're going to give us 37 to study, and they're going to cause people to believe how many would probably gone for really, really spectacular things. <laughs> Like, you know, a boulder is falling off a cliff and Jesus goes, and it just kind of flips back up. I mean, something like that, you know. You, you, but what does the Holy Spirit launch at us? He turned water into wine. Why would that be a miracle that the Holy Spirit would think we need to know more than the other things he did? Why would that one be the one we need to know about? And why would that be the first one the Holy Spirit would actually, what Jesus actually did and the Holy Spirit actually brought to us? Every message, every miracle has a message. And that's why I'm thinking it's very, I believe it's very important that we understand that the miracle working power of Jesus is not just residing with him exclusively, but he shared that with us so that we too would be workers of miracles to declare who he is that people would believe in him. And this is why we try when we work miracles, when we do things, we lay hands on the sick, when we speak to people, when we do the things we do, we try to keep ourselves what? We can't try to keep ourselves in confines of the word. Why? Because we know it's this type of miracles that cause people to believe. Sometimes people can get involved in miracles that are kind of way out there. There's no scriptural basis for it whatsoever. You know what I'm talking about? You know, things kind of, you know, gold dust floating down on people and all that kind of stuff. You know, 
I've never been in a situation like that. If that happens, scrape it up and pay off your house. Do whatever you got to do. But maybe God's doing that. I'm not, I'm not saying yes or no, but my point is this. The reason why we keep ourselves in the parameters of God's Word is because the Holy Ghost said, hey, these are the type of miracles. These are the miracles that make people or move on people to believe. Now, we know that faith comes by hearing hear by the Word of God, but this is what the Word says. God says, I'm going to give you these miracles so that you may believe. So we, we keep ourselves in line with this. So what does that mean? That means the next time you're drinking water and you say, I wish I had some <laughs> Dr. Pepper, whatever you need to do to, to kind of, you know, do so. You know, okay, let's not go there because I don't. Okay, let's just, let, let's actually just read the scripture before I get myself into too much trouble, okay? Let's go. Let's look at this miracle. Now, again, this is the first miracle he chooses to give us. And it's meant to cause us to believe. So this, this is a big deal. So you know what happens here. He's at a, the wedding of Canaan. And uh, he, he's there. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to John chapter 2. 2, verse 11 and 12. Every miracle declares who he is. Every feast declares his purpose. Every sacrifice declares his mission. Everything is about Jesus. My son actually, uh, my son does, has, a, has a podcast with one of the friends of his it's called the spoken gospel, and so they go through the Bible, and, and they take every, not every verse, but, but almost every chapter of the whole Bible and show how each chapter talks about Jesus. It's really cool. You might want to check that out, spoken gospel podcast. That's a free advertisement for my son, Seth. Okay. All right, so here's what, he, here's what it says here. John chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. This beginning, uh, so um, let me set the story up for you. You know the story, I think. He goes to the wedding. They get to the wedding. They run out of wine. And his mom goes to him and says, hey, they've run out of wine. And Jesus called, he says, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour is not yet. And then she goes and she says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. I think that's great because mama knows I got to him already. Okay. Somebody once told me, they said, that's the way Jewish women do things. They guilt their children into doing things. So she guilted Jesus into that. I don't know. At any rate, so, so what happens? He does what mama wants. So, he, so his time is not yet. But she does it anyway. We could, we could teach, a whole, teach a whole message on the fact that mamas can move time, obviously. They can do that. Yeah, his, his time was not yet, but he did it anyway, so mamas can move time. So, so you know the story. He gets it, he, he blesses it, and it turns it into wine, and it's the best stuff at the feast, and people bring it to them and say, what is all this about? And it goes here. We kind of come up to this point. After that's all done, and it goes on, it says, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and he manifested his glory. You ever thought about him turning water into wine, manifested his glory? Manifested his glory. The fact that he did, it wasn't just water into wine, but there was something in this that manifested his glory. The fact that there's a miracle being done, it testifies that God is alive and at work among his people. He goes on to say, and, and manifest his glory. And his disciples did what? Now, wait a minute. Didn't they already believe in him? You kind of have to believe in somebody to be a disciple, don't you? Hello? Okay, thank you, sister on the front row. Are you cold? You got a blanket on you. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so, and his disciples believed in him. But didn't they already believe in him? Yeah, they were actually called his disciples. And then it says, and his disciples believed in him. Because he turned water into, into wine. But if they already believed, then what's the Bible actually telling us? So we should ask questions. Didn't they already believe? Some, this, this was, this was a, a moving point that Jesus is doing a miracle that was going to display who he was. 
And the disciples, yeah, they believed in him that he was a prophet, a man of God, and possibly the Messiah. Remember, they didn't really get a hold of this until a little bit later on when, when Peter really made his confession. So they, they knew this guy's, a, this, guy's, this guy's probably the one, but they needed a little bit of help getting along that way to firmly grabbing a hold of it. And the first thing that Jesus does is he turns water into wine, a miracle that declares his presence and who he actually is. It displayed his glory. So miracles display God's glory and people believe. Why was it the, the wine? Let me give you a little quick foretaste here of what this was. The reason why he turned the water into wine is because it was believed by, it's still believed in Jewish tradition even to this day. Uh, it was particularly believed back in those days and still is today that when the Messiah arrives, it will be known as a time of wine. They believe that that the arrival of the Messiah will be a time of wine. In fact, the, the rabbis actually said that when the Messiah arrives, arrives that even the mountains will flow with wine. The Messiah himself will hold a great banquet, will gather the people and even bring us into a wonderful place like Eden, and Messiah will take wine, grapes off of the tree of knowledge and crush them and make wine for the people to celebrate the fact that the Messiah had arrived. Jesus Creating wine was not just a, a, a random thing, but it was a declaration of his Messiahship to the people who were there. When we perform miracles, we are declaring the Messiahship of Jesus whenever we do those works. I want us to ask ourselves the question, when was the last time we even put ourselves out there to work a miracle? Say, well, don't you have to be kind of qualified for that? You mean like wear a badge, say, I'm, hey, I'm a miracle worker? Uh, no. Now, there are people who are given a special gift of working in miracles, but if you're a believer, then you can do what? You can lay your hands on the sick and they will uh, recover. You can declare things are not as though they were. You can live your life on purpose. You can live out loud your faith so that wherever you go, you can be a disciple of the Lord and let your discipleship be seen and let Jesus' glory be seen through you through the miracles that you will work. Sometimes you just got to get out of the boat and try to walk on the water. You can do this. And it doesn't take a great amount of, of uh, discernment in many cases. Um, you know, I was at, uh, I, was, I took my grandkids to a, uh, uh, to a little amusement park. And there was a guy there. He was running the, the, the thing, and the, the little ride. And when he got up to go open up the gate, he was limping. Now, my lightning fast mind said, He's got a limp, all right? So, so I just said, is your, is your leg bothering? He said, well, that's my ankle. I said, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. See, that, that's all it took right there. It doesn't mean you, I, I didn't feel like, ooh, I, I need to get a discernment. No, the Bible says lay hands upon the sick and they recover. You know, if someone, you see somebody, go into the restaurant, go into the bank, look for somebody. I guarantee if you go and live your life on purpose, all of a sudden you'll start seeing people all the time that have a little hitch in their get-along or have a... That, that's from Arkansas. Hitching your get along, you know what I mean? That's, you got a problem with your, what is that, a hip? Yeah, I don't even know. I just say it all the time. I have no idea what it means. But, but the, the point is this, that we need to start learning to live our life on purpose. Because the Holy Spirit saying, hey, listen, I'm writing these things down for you. I'm not going to tell you everything, but I'm going to give you these so that people would believe. And we even see here, those who already believe in him, believed in him more whenever he began to work 
the miracles. Everyone in this room that has the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of them has the ability to go into this world and be a light. And it, it is not difficult. It, now, of course, as soon as you see somebody that needs, you know, has a, has a hurt somewhere or whatever, or whatever, you're going to go pray for them, immediately the enemy's going to try to make you feel nervous. But the best way to deal with that is just go do it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just go and do it and uh, double dog dare people. Whatever. Just, just go and do it, and all of a sudden you'll find what will happen is they'll, I mean, almost nine times out of ten, they're going to say yes. And when you do that, ah, you've got a victory. You feel, uh, yes, we've, we've conquered that. And the next time it gets easier and easier and easier. Every miracle declares that Jesus is alive. And sometimes you just have to put yourself out there to, make sh- to give God a chance to start working with you. Because sometimes we, we think we need a professional minister to go and pray for people or work miracles. No, it, this is for the body to begin to do. And if we as the body will begin to do that, that's what Jesus said. He, he, whenever he left, he said, the works that I do, you will do also. That's right. So that's why we stay in the bounds of the word. What did Jesus do? How did he do it? We're going to stay in that bounds. We're going to go out and we're going to do the same things he do, does. Now ask yourself the question, how many of the works that he did have I done? If the answer is none, then you've got a bank full of credit to start pulling out. Because, and he's empowered you to do it. You have healing in your hands. You have miracles in your hands. You, you, you can do this, not because of you're anything in yourself, but because the one who's on the inside of you. You carry a treasure in these earthen vessels, and you're meant to take him with you and display him everywhere that you go. It might be a very easy thing of just... Of just Asking someone to go to church or to, to, or to actually pray for someone or to, or to uh, offer someone, um, uh, you know, free food or say, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pay for that person's meal over there. I tell my ministers on staff, I say, when you walk into any restaurant, you look around, I typically tell them to find our church members and buy all their food. So typically what happens is our church members want to know, so pastor, where are you going to eat today? Because they, they that's a secret, not, not telling you where I'm going. But if someone's there, listen, I, what I'm talking about is just, again, just living life out loud. You see, and you guys know this, Loretta and I have lived most of our life in, uh, in Europe. And Europe now is no longer the Christian nations that gave us the King James Bible or gave us the incredible commentaries and great books of the past. They're now nations in decline when it comes to their faith. As a matter of fact, now their faith is diminishing to the point now that where you see building after building after building, church buildings that are now empty. And sadly, a lot of churches are now selling their buildings to, to Muslims for mosques. What's happened? They stopped living on purpose. They stopped living out loud. They allow themselves to be quieted down. They were told that your place is in the church, it's in the pew, it's not out in the not out in the marketplace, not out in the highways, not out in the byways. If you begin to live your life on purpose, live your life out loud, live your faith where it can be seen, where it's meant to be seen. What did Jesus say? He said, when you, when you light a candle, do you put it under a bushel or do you stick it on a candle stand so everybody can see it? And that's where we need to be. And one of the ways that that candle burns bright is when we begin to do the works of Jesus outside the walls of our church. When we begin to do the miracles that Jesus did, and again, it's just a matter of you taking a step out and doing it. Now listen, sometimes the miracles in the Bible, like this one here, you might not get why, why was it wine. I told you why that was. Every miracle had a different message to it. Some of them, even the, even the miracles that, that are almost like the Bible just kind of passes over them, doesn't seem like it has a lot of significance to it, though every one of them has something to it. I'm thinking about this one miracle. Do you remember whenever Jesus, after his resurrection, 
he goes and he finds the apostles that are out fishing. And if you remember, they catch a, 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 a load of fish. And when they catch this load of fish, the Bible strangely actually tells us how many fish they catch. You remember that verse? Do you remember how many, how many fish there were? I'll read it for you if you don't remember. Okay. I'm not seeing any, any heads nods. So let's go. Let's look here. Um, what's that? Well, you had a good guess. What was it? 153. That's right. Yeah, it's in John uh, chapter 21, verse number 11. So it says, Simon Peter went up and dragged the net into the land full of fish, 153. And all together were so many the net broke. So 153 fish. Why does, and of course you ask the question, why 153? Was there a particular reason for that? Yes, of course there is. Why 153 fish? He's already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's rose from the dead. He appears to his disciples, and they catch 153 fish. You know the, one, the number 153 means something to Jewish people? It should mean something to us, but because we're so disconnected from our Hebraic root, we kind of don't really know where we're at on those things much anymore. If I made a statement like to you, if I said, if I said 1776, does that mean something to you? Okay, it's just a number, 1,776 or 1776. It means something to you. So numbers mean things. My, my Israeli-loving friends, if I said 1948, does that mean something to you? It's when, what about 1967? That's when Jerusalem came back into the hands of the Jews. You can make, or, or if I said to my wife, 1986, does that mean anything to you? What do you think that is? No, that's when I was born. No, I'm not, it's, our, it's, it's our anniversary. It's our, it's our anniversary. That's right. So, so numbers mean things. And when a Jewish person hears 153, they stagger back. And they say, what? See, in Hebrew, every Hebrew letter is also a number. So there's, if you, look, if you get, a, get a watch, it all has letters going around it because the letters are also numbers. 153, when you take 153 and you actually take those numbers and put them into their to their words, it, it can mean two different things. Well, it, it has a couple things, but these are the primary two. It means ani Elohim, and ani is the word for I. Elohim is the word for God. It means I am God. Or if you change Elohim, you shorten it to your God. Actually, it's longer in our English language. It's shorter in theirs. It would actually be the word ani Yahweh Elohecha, which means I am Yahweh, your God. That's why 53 fish, 153 fish were caught. He's the, every miracle he does has a message baked in it. When God uses you in the miraculous, it declares things to people that they're going to see. God is alive and at work among his people. And in order to get out of the boat, as I mentioned, and do those type of things, it's going to require us to work by faith to make that happen. Amen. Let's go really quickly as I'm about to, as, I, as I'm going to be closing up here in just a few minutes. Let's go to the story we all know very well. It's in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. And, of course, this is the great story where after they, this is another fishing story, and they catch a great uh, draught of fish, and Peter says, Lord, depart from me. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a worthy person. And the Lord says, from henceforth you shall catch men. This whole story that happens here, this whole example was done to teach people, Peter how to catch men. And what God did here in the situation was take them in a place of the extreme. And I want, you to, I want you to get this because remember, the miracles that 
the Holy Spirit let the apostles write down, were written down so that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. When the disciples themselves, who were already believers, saw the works he did, their faith increased and they believed in him even the more. And the world that we live in is looking for the supernatural. Listen, in case you don't know it, the world is looking to see God do something. Do you know that there are more witches in America now than Presbyterians? The witches' covens now have outpaced the Presbyterians in, in growth. Why, why would people who were previously not witches now become witches to the point where they're outpacing the Presbyterian church because they're looking for something spiritual? They're looking for the supernatural. They're looking for something. And listen, we've lived in the future. That's Europe. We've lived in the future, and now we're in the past, and we can tell you what the future looks like if the church does not realize what we're supposed to be doing. Our job is to manifest his kingdom in the earth. Our job is to declare his glory and to let it be seen through our lives. You have the ability, because of the Holy Spirit living in you, to let the miracles of God begin to flow out of you. So this is what happens here. So let's go to the top part of the story and kind of read our way down a little bit. We won't go through the whole, the whole thing. But look what it says here in verse number one. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that they, he stood by the lake Gennesaret, or this is the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them. They were washing, and they were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to push a little out from the land. And he sat down, and he taught multitudes out of the boat. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. So they've come in to shore. It's daytime now. They're washing their nets. And Jesus gets in the boat and tells Simon, he says, okay, Simon, now, Simon doesn't know this yet, but he's about to be taught a lesson on how to catch men. And Jesus gets in the boat and he says, launch out into the, to the deep for a draught. Now, Simon is a fisherman. He does this for a living. He's, he's, got, he's got more than one boat. This is how he, he takes, this is his business. He's probably grown up doing this. And respectfully, Rabbi, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. Appreciate this. But, you know, uh, I should be the one giving the instruction here. He says, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll do it. The reason why this was such an issue for Simon at this point is because on the Sea of Galilee, you don't fish in the daytime. You fish at night. Because the fish go down to the bottom during the daytime, up to the top at night. So Jesus was asking him to do something that was completely the opposite that made sense to him. And what is he doing? He's teaching him how to be a fisher of men. He's getting him ready to be able to start seeing people be brought into the kingdom. And he says, the first thing you need to do, Peter, is stop thinking like you've been thinking. Change the way you think. Realize that when God gets involved, it's going to be different than what you thought. It might go crossways to the way you've always done things. It might be different than the training that you've had. It might be a doctrine you never thought that you would ever believe. Listen, when God gets involved, the first thing we need to do is let ourselves be teachable by the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, show me something I've never seen before. Help me to know something I've never known. To really position ourselves to be those fishers of men, we've got to get out of our mind, our preconceived way things are going to happen, and be able to be led by the Lord doing things opposite. So, and Peter did this. And he, but he, not without giving an excuse first, right? He says, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. He says, nevertheless, at your word we'll do it. 
How many know the word nevertheless is not a real positive confession? He's not really excited about this, but he says nevertheless. In other words, he's saying like, you know, I'm really not, okay, whatever, Rabbi. Uh, you know, nevertheless, okay, okay, you know, I'll give it a try. Every, but he did it. Now here's the point. Every one of us has a nevertheless moment. Now, he is right on the verge of a net-breaking boat-seeking load. He's right on the verge of prosperity and a catch like he's never experienced. He's right on the verge of learning how to catch people that he's never learned before. But to get from where he's at to that revelation moment, that moment of abundance, he has to take a step called nevertheless. And many of us are at that place right now. We know God has the ability. We know God can do it. We know what's out there Nevertheless, however, you know, it, does, it didn't work before. However, I've got all these issues. However, you know, I know what I'm doing here. Listen, you're going to have that nevertheless moment, but it's at that moment that the decision is made that determines whether or not you're going to actually learn to fish for men or you're not. And what happened when he, he told Peter, he said, he, said, he said, get in the boat and launch out into the deep and let down your net. Up until this point, they were in the shallow water. You see, the place of nevertheless takes you out in the deep where you can't touch the bottom with your feet anymore. And we're going to have to come to that point in our life where, you know what, you're sitting in the restaurant or you're out on the bus or wherever you're at and the Holy Ghost speaks to you and says, I want you to do this. I want you to pray for that person. I want you to declare this. I want you to lay hands on that person. I want you to do what any number of things he could tell you to do. And you're going to say to yourself, yeah, but my, my friends are here or what will these people think or there's too many people around or it's too crowded or what if they don't receive? And then you're going to say, nevertheless, at your word, what you're telling me to do, I'm going to do that. And when you do that, you've launched out into the deep and you'll find yourself in a place, you'll manifest the kingdom, miracles will happen, and people will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. You see, this, it's that nevertheless moment, that nevertheless step that we're going to take. Peter was at, a, at that break moment where he was going to make a decision at that moment if he was going to qualify to be one of the 12. He was going to qualify to be a fisherman. And what he said, when that happened, he felt, oh my goodness, he saw, he saw himself for what he was. And he fell down. He says, depart from me, for I am I'm not the greatest type of guy. And Jesus said, fear not, Peter, from henceforth you are going to catch men. You see, there's a nevertheless moment for each one of us. And it deals right now, what we're talking about right now, it's the miraculous. Jesus is a miracle-working God that has never changed. The God that split the Red Sea still splits the Red Sea. The God that split the Jordan still splits the Jordan. The God who raised the dead still raises the dead. There's nothing that's different, nothing that's changed. People, people cry out and they want to see the, you know, the, the God of Elijah. But I'm sure that God is wanting to see some Elijahs of God. Where are those who take him at his word and believe? You see, miracles have not stopped. So what we have to do is ask ourselves the question, have we gotten so used to going out at a certain time of the day, doing our fishing, coming in, washing our nets, that we're not in a place where we can be able to shift that paradigm and say, you're asking me to do something I've never done before. You're asking me to do something that makes absolutely no sense in the natural. Fish in the daytime? That doesn't work. That doesn't make sense. Nevertheless, 
I will take a step. And I will do it because you have told me to do it. How will I know if God's telling me to do it? The devil doesn't tell you to go witness to people. Okay? So just, just kind of as a mark that down, the devil does not tell you. To, so, so if you get that feeling, guess what? You're hearing the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, so, so you know when the Holy Ghost is speaking to you, and you know what God's Word tells you to do. So as we give ourselves to His Word, if we give ourselves to that nevertheless moment, we'll find ourselves doing things that we only dreamed were possible, and we'll actually find ourselves maybe someday in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the only book of the Bible the book of the New Testament, that is, that doesn't seem to end with any type of ending. All the books are a letter that typically have a, some type of formal ending to them. They end in a, in a way, greet this person, say something to this person, you know, salutations, and then it has, then it has the benediction. It kind of ends. But the book of Acts, just if you read it, the last chapter of the book of Acts, it just kind of ends with no real firm ending. And that's because, ladies and gentlemen, the books of Acts, book of Acts is still being written today. It's Acts of the Holy Ghost in California and anywhere else there are people that are breathing and following the Lord. So let's write our own chapter over the next few months. And it starts with a step. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray tonight. We're going to ask the Lord to help us to live on purpose. Help us to live our faith out loud. And we're going to ask the Lord that the next time you go somewhere in a public setting, that the Lord will allow you to see somebody who needs prayer. If you offer them prayer and they reject it, it's not your loss. But what if they say no? Are you kidding me? Do you know how many times people tell God no every day? Look, get over yourself, all right? Just, just, just let it happen. <laughs> just let them say no. If they say no, you've lost absolutely nothing. Well, they might think something about me. They're going to think it anyway, all right? Just... They don't even know who you are. Just don't worry about it. <laughs> live it out loud. Live on purpose. Let's stand up together as we're about to close. Sure you can. Yep. Yeah, because I, I just want to tell you that it's... It should be on. Is that on? Yeah, yes, I'm on. Um, it's easier than you think. You know, I was at Walmart, and you know... It's interesting, when you go into the drug section, when you're there, people have needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an easy Maybe place. that's where you want to start, you know? But I just so happened was going to get, and someone was struggling to get something. I said, could I get you, for, get you something? And she goes, yeah, I need this little thing. So, you know, I thought. And that's because Loretta was taller than her, which is a big deal. <laughs> I mean. Uh. Um, and so. I, you know what? I just said, can I pray for you? And the, this was the answer, which was just, it just kind of floored me. But, you know, people are hungry. Mm -hmm. You don't know. She said, well, yes. And then could you pray for my brother? And then uh, I have, uh, I mean, she gave me this list. I'm uh, like, yes, uh, I will. And right there in the middle of Walmart, I just prayed for this lady. And, you know. That's living out loud. That's living out loud. Yeah. Another guy from our church. <laughs> you, we get go, go ahead. Sunset. Yeah. Um. We we weren't even there. we weren't even around no. when this happened, and um, but he just he lives life out loud, mm -hmm. and he saw a homeless lady, and she he saw that she was barefoot, and she was cold, and he he was just started you know carrying on a conversation, and he noticed that three of her fingers were black because they're frostbit, and uh, he just started saying, well, can I pray for you? And she goes, yes, well. 
She had a blind eye as well. He prayed for her and the blind eye opened. Mm -hmm. This is just on the streets. He prayed for her fingers and within a day they turned white and you could tell that they, they, they were just peeling. They was brand she new She was coming skin. to church now. And now Obviously. she's coming so, to church. So she, so we completely healed. And, and you know, this is the thing that got me. She was a pastor's daughter. Yeah. Living on the streets. Yeah. You don't know who's out there. Yeah. And you know what? It's time. We've got the goods. It's time to live life intentionally. Yeah. We've got it. Yeah. It's, it's fun when you get, to, get, to, get, get going out there. And so it's been a joy to see this lady come into the church and she tells her testimony. And so it's wonderful. Amen. So, yeah, I mean, actually, we could stand up here all night and give you one example after the next. And people who just say, you know what, I'm just going to go and pray for people. And if, we'll, and if we'll just have that nevertheless moment where you say, you know what, Lord, okay, I get it. There's people all around. People might look. Nevertheless, I'm going to go pray for that person because you told me to. And then God unleashes a miracle on somebody's life. It might not be, here she goes. She's earning her money tonight, right? And then one, uh, well, we had this conference about doing this kind of thing. And so one lady just went out. They were, at lunchtime, they were given the task. We're just going to go out and we're going to see if there's anybody, in any fish that, that might be jumping around and uh, spla splashing around. She went, they, she went and she started talking to this guy at, I think it was Taco Bell or something. And, uh, I love they, Taco Bell. Yes, he loves Taco Bell. <laughs> we'll pray for him later. She doesn't like Taco Bell. <laughs> well, she get, he gets born again just from that one meeting. They, they bring him into church that night. Wait, wait, you forgot something. So, so she witnesses to him when, he, when she's in, in wherever they're at, and he doesn't receive the Lord. And then later on, he meets up else. with some other people from our church. They witness to him. They get him born again. Yeah, so it doesn't, it, you know what? Even if they say no, somebody else could come around and say, it was the same guy. Yeah. Okay, same guy. They, they took him to, back to their house and baptized him in the baptized bathtub. Baptized him in the bath, yeah. bathtub. And when, um, he, when he came out of the water, he started um, speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. <laughs> so, hey, this, it, is, this is doable, it's guys. Just, it's just living life, living your life That's in God right. and living yeah. on purpose. You go to the restaurant on purpose. Okay, yes, I am here at Taco Bell because this is good food. <laughs> but you know what? I'm here as an ambassador. There's somebody here or is going to come in that needs an encouraging word. It might just be walk up to them and just give them an encouraging word. It might be all that it, all that it is. You might be praying, Lord, is there anybody here you want me to, to minister to? And the Holy Spirit might just tell you, just go and tell that person over there that they're not forgotten, that I've seen them, and I care about them. And that might be all of it. And the next thing you know, when you're walking out, they're following you, by, following behind you. Right. You know, it could be anything. You know, God, God can do anything. So let's just pray together. Go ahead and grab the hand of the person next to you who's going to agree together as a body tonight. Father, we pray tonight that you would, we thank you, Lord God, that your desire is to work through your vessels. Your desire, Lord God, is that we are candlesticks that are set upon, a, or we're candles on a candlestick that our light is seen and known of all men. You, you, you showed us, Lord, in your word that, that you gave us the miracles as a pattern, that you wanted us to do the works that you have done. And, and so, Lord, we yield ourselves, Father God, to the miraculous you put on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Ghost. 
And Lord, we determine each and every one of us to live our life on purpose, to live out loud our faith, Father. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name for each one that as we go to restaurants, as we go out and do our life, as we do our job, that, Lord, that you would show us, Father God, either by the Spirit or even show us in the natural, Father, people who need a touch, need prayer. And we ask, Lord God, for the boldness we need, Lord, to step out and do the things that need to be done, that we do as the occasion demands. Father, we pray that your kingdom's expanded, that lives are changed, that your church is populated, that we live our life on purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said together? Amen. Amen. God bless. All right, everybody, we'll be here on Sunday morning at 9.30. I'll be in the pulpit. I got a message I can't wait to bring to you. God bless everybody. And don't forget the books on the back table if you'd like to get one of those.